tonight on the Goblin's Corner. Getting organized. That's how we roll. 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 Welcome to the Goblin's Corner. My name is Eric. And I'm Matt. And tonight, we're talking about organization. Yeah, that thing that you have to do to do the things that you want to do. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much it, yeah. yeah. So tonight, what we're going to do is we are going to kind of go off on a limb here and talk a little bit more about some planning, yeah, prepping your game, some things that you as a storyteller or even a player can do to get organized yeah and these are our methodologies obviously there's no end-all be-all method to getting organized but there are some ways that you can get your stuff organized we're going to show you a couple of those methods and maybe talk a little bit about some alternatives as well absolutely so that you can have a better game but before we get to that got a question of the week it happens all the time every week every week every single episode so Tell me, Matt, what is the question of the week this time? We're going to delve into a little uh, personal talk. You ready? Oh, we're getting real here? Yeah. All right. What's a project that you've been meaning to organize for a long time, but never gotten around to? Well, I would say everything but this podcast. That would be the easiest answer would be literally everything but this podcast. But, oh. What would be something that I would do? That I, I feel like I know the actual answer to this. I mean, and it's, it's just it's, not coming it's to you. It's currently the studio. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, because you wouldn't, why would you know yeah. unless you were here? Uh, I currently have a 1950s house, which is slowly crumbling beneath time and space. It, it, the, all of reality is conspiring to crush my poor house. And, and because it's falling to entropy... I must fix all of it. And I've gotten very good. There's a lot of YouTube videos to show you how to fix stuff. Mm -hmm. I can point you in the right direction if you need to do sheetrock, if you need to do some electrical work or plumbing, or like in my case, have to rebuild a wall with some masonry. Yeah. So yes, I'll say that's a good answer for me. But there's all kinds of other stuff too. Sure. Still haven't gotten gotten around to playing guitar. The good news is, is that by the time you're done fixing everything up, you'll have a brand new house. Yes, that's absolutely true. I'm, Hopefully a new studio soon, too. Yeah, I'm trying to bright side it. I yeah. don't know. That's what I got. Anybody who wants to come help me out, let me know. I'll put you to work. <laughs> you can ask my friends. Matt, what is your project that you've been meaning to organize that you haven't gotten around to doing? At my place, it would be the office room. The office room is supposed to, uh, you know, by name, be an office what it has devolved into is storage for all of the things that have not been sorted or gotten rid of or donated or it is it is the catch-all room of it is the junk drawer of the whole house and that's a good answer and i feel that you too are missing a very obvious answer as well well I mean, there's the bus. That's what I was getting at. But it's about as organized as it can get. It's because there's nothing in it. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's definitely a project <laughs> you need to like get much like the house. Yeah, you gotta get gotta get on that bus, man. Then we can take the show on the road, brother. Well, the problem is the the looming engine rebuild. Ah, it's just an engine. How bad could that be? <laughs> <laughs> Do you happen to own a bus or perhaps you're a contractor? Write to us, info at goblinscorner.com, or you can reach me, eric at goblinscorner.com, or me, matt at goblinscorner.com. And of course, you can find us on all the things. So many things. The ever-expanding list of things. And the list just keeps growing. Seriously, if you're a contractor or a mechanic, call us. <laughs> all right, let's talk a little bit about getting organized. So you might ask yourself. I'm not going to do it. I know. I'm not. Uh -huh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resist the urge. It's fine. Self, I'm doing it for you. <laughs> How can two regular guys like us be so good at being professional GMs? Because we're pretty good at it. I say very humbly. I like to think so. I've gotten good reviews. So. Me too. It's very simple. It's not because we're superb GMs, although I'd say we're pretty good, but it's because we do a little prep work beforehand. Yeah. We get organized. We have our stuff 
annotated in some cases, written down in some cases, digitized in others, but we keep things on a uh, level that we can understand and do what we do best, which is write games, tell stories, have fun. We've developed a method and we maintain and refine the method. Absolutely. Yeah. So why do we need to get organized? Seems pretty simple and straightforward. There's There's only a couple reasons, right? The, the first one being, there's a lot going on in your game, in your story, and in your head mm-hmm. at any given point in time. Got to wrangle that up so that you can actually write a good story, play with your characters, have fun. Because you're not organized, and you need to be organized. Yeah. It's, it's no longer a thing of, I'm just going to write up a story. And look, this is coming from an improviser here. Sure. I'm used to making stuff up on the fly. The thing about being an improviser... Being an improviser is amazing, right? And you can improv an entire story, and that's fine. The issue comes when players get back to a town, when they get back to a major metropolis. And unless you have a photographic memory, which I do not, and I don't, I, neither do I, then you've got to write some stuff down, and you've got to go through that scramble of your brains to figure out what's what. Some other reasons you might want to get organized could also include. Because you're running a game with streamers and you need it to flow cleanly. Maybe you're running a game with brand new people. You need to be able to present them with concise information because they don't know anything yet. Particularly rules. Yeah. House rules or just helping them out play. And so if you can't help them play because you're wrangling storyline or NPCs or even just, you know, running the game, you're not doing your job as a GM. Right. And then the other side of that is min-maxers. You need to be aware (laughs) of what they're attempting to get away with and whether or not they actually should be able to. And they will try. Sure. They'll press buttons, folks. (laughs) Ours do. And anybody else, too. Yeah. It just makes the game easier and cleaner, and it gets rid of a lot of the... uh, tangle that a lot of people find in a lot of games yeah it just makes the game flow smoothly so why because because that's why and there's a lot of benefits to getting organized so that you can tell a better story the first thing is when you're not spending all that brain power writing stuff down or scrambling to find a you know a page of notes then you have a lot more time to think up unique storylines yeah you've got time to work on adventure hooks Yeah, you can come up with some great adventure hooks then. You could play with the players instead of just talking at the players. And this is something that we see a lot of inexperienced DMs and GMs do is they'll sit there and they've got one head in the book. The other head is what what they're trying to figure out. And then they're talking at people. This is why people do a lot of modules too. Because then they don't have to do the thinking, which is fine. But if you're writing your own stuff, you want to make sure you've got everything figured out and you've got your 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 process. And one of the things it allows you to do is characterize. Because if you've already got things written down, you know what a city feels like. You know what a merchant sounds like. This is your criminal guild. This is your big bad. Right. Now you can get into the fun stuff, which is the descriptions and talking about doing the funny voices if you want to do that. Sure. Or maybe spending some time making some miniatures like our buddy Leif did, yeah. right? You could have that time to be able to emphasize the thematic aspect, which again, we're all about. Yeah. And finally, it's just easier to have fun with everyone yeah. if you're organized. When, when you're organized, you've got everything ready to go. You're not trying to prep for stuff. You can just jump into the story. And let's face it, it's a game, guys. Yeah. It's just a game. And we want you to have fun playing this game. Absolutely. Yeah. So tonight... We have the following qualities for a successful game. And these are not the end-all, be-all. These are just a couple that we find are useful. We've got them divided into three parts. We've got storytelling stuff, running the game, and then what happens after the story, the aftermath. Right. So in between games and stuff like that. Uh, Matt, what do we have for some storytelling stuff? Well, if you're storytelling, the first thing you need is you need to have your world organized. Yes. World organization's key. And secondly, you've got your story, your adventure hooks, and your descriptions for those things. Okay. Now, this is, again, this is prep work, folks. Right. 
What about you? Well, wait, you got to have some NPCs. Sure, makes sense. And in addition to that, you might have some monsters that you have thought up because maybe something's going on in the story. So you want to have those prepped so you don't have to go look that stuff up. Sure. And then finally, you got to know about the PCs. What are they doing? And this doesn't necessarily mean the PC information, which is nice to have. Sure. I love having spare character sheets. Oh, yeah. But also, stuff like, this is what one of my characters did last game. This is one of their flaws that they took. And so backstory maybe, information. Yeah, backstory is always great to have. And, you know, you may not use all of it, but it's, if, if your players are writing a backstory for their game, use that as a gift. Yes, absolutely. Sharpie marker, a couple of things that you think is interesting. Circle that stuff around. Oh, really? They, uh, they've got a secret villain in their backstory that they want to emphasize? Oh, I'm going to dredge that out at some point in the game. It's really fun. If you just want to play with your players a little bit, right? Take a clipboard. When they give you their backstory, just grab a highlighter, hold the clipboard up so that all they can see is the blank face of it, and then just start marking through stuff on the paper. Fantastic. <laughs> it really makes them paranoid, too. It's good for them. It builds character. Now, what are we talking about when we're talking about running a game? Obviously, playing the game. Yeah, so what are you doing while you're playing this game? Now, we're not going to talk about the rules in terms of, like, you should do these, because there's a lot of different games out there. Sure. But how are you acting? What tools or organization tools do you have at your disposal while you're playing? Speaking of rules, rules and your DM screen. And that doesn't have to be, you know, it can be a storyteller screen, what have you, right? Like, what are the shortcuts you have visually in your line of sight? Could be a veil. I'll have a DM veil or a helmet. Think about that. That'd be great. Have a Mandalorian mask that has all the rules written in it. No, I just need a heads up display. Have your poker face on. Yeah. Poke, 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 poker face. All right. (laughs) That's enough of that. (laughs) We could talk about combat. Sure. Combat's one of those things where you definitely need to be organized for because in most TTRPGs, not all of them, but we're talking D&D here, it takes forever. It can. It can take, it takes forever. It's not, it ain't no, it can. It takes forever. Most TTRPG combat takes forever. Shadowrun takes forever. Yes. 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 Uh, Pathfinder tends to take forever. Yeah. World of Darkness sometimes takes forever. Depends on that. Yeah. Depends on which World of Darkness you're playing. I mean, if you're, you're rock, paper, and... scissoring it, then it doesn't take that long. But if it's, if it's like the one with the dice, then yes. So you want to have good organization specifically for that. Plus, you want to give good descriptions during combat as yes. well. And if you don't know what we're talking about, look up combat, injury, and death. We have a whole show on it. It's true. And lastly, exploration. Yep. And this can include... Dungeons, ruins. Visual aids of different sites. So, you know, dungeon terrain maps. It could be stuff like miniatures. It could be the actual tokens for the characters if you want. Or it could be just a list of descriptions as you go from room to room. Absolutely. Finally, the aftermath section. Okay, we've done the story, we've summed it up for the game, and we're waiting for the next game. What are we doing in between that time? A lot of people play character arcs in between games. Or, if they don't, you're going to write up the experience or whatever loot you found. Yeah. Stuff and, like that. And maybe highlights, just so everybody can stay fresh. Especially if you if it's a long time if you play a monthly game, having a highlights reel makes life simpler for literally everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. And have your players add to that, collate all that information, the notes they took plus the notes you took. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you'll see some of the players write the notes and then send it to the DM, which is great because then If I'm writing, and for example, I write a lore document for the game I'm running right now, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they'll send me stuff that I forgot to write down, which is wonderful, right? We're building the story together anyway. Sure. And how are you going to put that together and get it organized? So those are the types of things we're talking about for tonight. Now, Matt, we've got two different processes this evening, and because we're just doing it like we're doing it, uh, you are doing everything how? For me, I tend to do things analog. I tend to do things with tactical medium, write things down, you know, draw things out. It's just what works for me. Yeah. 
And for tonight, I'll be taking the side of the digital media just because, and also because I've run a game online. And so I'm a little more experienced with that as well. So now, so we'll give you guys both sides of the coin. It's not end all be all. There's a lot of times where Matt and I will do something that's digital and then we'll write other stuff down. And so find the process that works for you. Matt, speaking of process, how would you describe your process in like a sentence or a word or whatnot? My process is primarily for organization is cross-referencing. What do you mean by cross-referencing? Each section of material, like say I do a city, right? I'm going to have the city. I'm going to have notable NPCs and then notable places in the city. And if those NPCs intersect with those places, I just have a little code beside both of them to say that these two go together. Okay. And same for storylines for all of it. There, I have a little legend, and that little legend tells me where everything belongs. You're way more organized than me. <laughs> Which is great. Okay. So what about you? What's your process? I would say it's summed up in three parts. I have a scratch pad for basic ideas that I have, and this could be lore ideas or character ideas, NPC ideas, monsters, and so forth. Just basically, I write a whole bunch of ideas down. Then I have the stuff that I'm actually playing with for this evening. And this could be what's going on during the evening. Sure. Or what I've taken off the scratch side and stuck into what's going on. Right. And then the lore side of things is the third part. So after everything's said and done, stick it together, write it out, have it make sense for the rest of the players, and stick it in a document for lore. So scratch, play, and lore. And that's that's my process for organization because I look at it as, you know, possibility, what actually happened, and here's it's codified. Right. Makes sense to me. So we're going to talk first about storytelling stuff. Right. And Matt, I think it would be a good segue to go into world organization. And since you're looking at it from an analog side, Tell me a little bit about the process that you use and maybe some processes that other people can use that may not be the same uh, on an analog scale. What okay. do you do to organize world stuff? My personal method is a three ring binder with a front pocket and a back pocket. Okay. And then dividers like the, the college dividers that have pockets in those. So you have basically like chapters. Yep. Okay. That's cool. The, the front is basic world info for players to get basically like a quick and dirty rundown of the world. It also has the house rules and the character options in it. Oh, good. So the playing the game stuff. Yep. And I'm assuming like the rest of the world, if you're playing from a specific game, might be the books themselves as well. Yeah. And then for following that, I use like regions and cities each of those is going to have a colored tab at the top of it, so I can just thumb straight to it. Mm -hmm. And notable NPCs, and then the story options that they provide. And that's going to be in a little, like I said, just a little code beside it that says, this NPC is going to offer this side quest or what have you. See name of the side quest. Yep. That type of thing. That's cool. So that gives you a couple of options that you... Can use because you never know what they're going, who they're going to interact with, or what. Absolutely. And so you can just give those options, and then write that out later, or in your spare time, flip to that reference, and here's a nice little uh, story hook or whatnot. Absolutely. Cool. What about you? Well, on the digital side of things for world organization, I tend to mostly go very low key because I improv, mm -hmm. and so everything's just ideas now. For world organization, I typically use like Google Sheets or Google Docs just because it's online, it's ubiquitous, everyone's got one, an account. Sure. So I will generally, when I start a game, write up character creation rules, some house rules, and maybe like the basic lore in like a doc. Sure. Makes sense. Once that's done, then I will open up a, uh, a Google Sheet and then that's kind of kind of be my playing field for idea generation. And I'll just like, you know, if I'm sitting around the house and I'm 
thinking about what they could do. I might have, hmm, here's the beginning of the story arc, here's the middle, here's the end. And sometimes I just have an idea and I do consequence of actions. Well, if they do this, here's the idea. If they do, if they go the opposite direction, here's the idea. It's on the same playing field. Like visually, it looks on the same playing field. Where do these two things end up? Absolutely. And so that's kind of how that gets built in my head. It works for me. It may not work for you. Sure. So online, you've got a lot of tools to write up your house rules and your lore and you know do some brainstorming, some idea generation. You can use mind mapping software like FreeMind if you want to if you want to do just like some if then uh ideas mm-hmm. when you're talking about writing lore as against i mentioned google docs but i also use uh, i usually turn it into a pdf for the players so that they can then read the character creation rules and whatnot for that because i like to make it look spiffy i use homebrewery which is just a markdown language that sure exports to a pdf but you can use anything any layout program works for stuff like that so if you live in the Adobeverse, you could use InDesign. If you want to do something you don't have to pay for, you can use Scribus. And I'm sure that there's other software out there as well. Right. And then you just share it with the players, right? Make a Google Drive, stick it in there, give them access to that, stick it up on your Discord server if you happen to have that. Send them a shared link, email it to them. I don't know, I guess you could text the whole thing to them if you wanted, but... You could. It depends on how big it is, right? Yeah. It may only be a couple megs if you don't include images. Now that that is one of the places that I, you know, I prefer obviously analog, but when it comes to disseminating information, obviously I'm willing to send emails and stuff like that. I'm I'm not a complete luddite or anything. There's, <laughs> it's not like you're chiseling stone in a in a cave somewhere. Exactly. That would with my handwriting. Oh my god, that'd be miserable. That'd take a long time. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to stories and adventures next. For me, it's actually my third divider. It it goes at the end. Part of the reason it goes at the end is because that's also where my timelines are. Okay. My timelines, if I'm running a long-term campaign, now for modules and one-shots and stuff like that, it's immaterial. But... If I'm running a long-term campaign, I have timelines that say these forces are in motion. At one month, they will accomplish X. At two months, at a year, what have you. Oh, I see. So whenever they get into some sort of encounter or story arc and their consequences of, and see, we're talking about consequences of actions again. Yes. Whatever your players do, the world keeps spinning. And so you're still writing out what's going on in the rest of the world, whether they get to it or not. If the players have been warned that there is a Baylor that is slowly summoning an army, the longer the players choose to ignore that threat, the more of a threat it becomes. He's just whipping up some undead. He's ready to go. He's, he's already at Starbucks. He's got his coffee. He's got everything. He's organized. Yep. And they're, they're just dicking around, not doing anything trying to go off they're trying to dig into that that lich's dungeon oh yeah yeah and the lich you know he didn't do anything he's just trying to research (laughs) he just wants to netflix and chill sure and you fucked it all up that's that's why the baylor takes over the world it's all because of you guys (laughs) and that's the thing is right you can plant several seeds at the start of a game at the start of a campaign right yeah and basically have a short arc a medium arc and a long arc based off of which ones they show interest in first. Yep. But for my folder, that only explained timelines. That took longer than necessary. Sorry about that. Uh, for, <laughs> for my actual folder, basically what I do is each side quest, that's where I write it, is at the almost at the end of the folder, and it cross-references forward for what NPC is aware of the quest, like who can give it out or why the players might interact with it. And it's just generally short notes about what kind of critters you're going to find there, what type of place it is, and what the benefit of doing this quest is. You're giving just enough ideas so that you can ad-lib the rest of it. 
Right. So because if they ignore it, why write out the entire thing? And this is what we talk about when we talk about world building and city building, stuff like that. Write a couple of notes. Don't write war and peace. Right. Just enough ideas for your brain to spin in the right direction. And if you feel the need to change it, then change it. It's your game. You could do anything you want. Absolutely. What about you? What you what do you do for your stories and adventure hooks? For all of that, including descriptions, it's usually in a Google Sheet. I I generally just have like right random it looks horrible too, by the way. I'll show you guys a picture of it. But it's it's just I write in some cells and I have it divided into different sections and sometimes I have it different tabs in the sheets occasionally sure because i have i use my dm screen as kind of like the end all be all until it becomes lore and so i'll write a whole bunch of different story ideas wouldn't it be cool if the players did this 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 they might go to the ethereal plane oh they might meet the majestic air flump sure they might suddenly face their worst fears they might uh there is a lich that's currently plaguing the country Maybe we can throw them into that. Oh, I just thought of a really cool idea of a magical box that turns everybody into cats that's terrorizing the town, right? Pop that in there. Do they get to it? Maybe. They may never get to it. Might just be a city full of cats. Yeah. So it's all in the sheets until it's lore. Adventure hooks, descriptions, and stuff. Now, I will write a bunch of descriptions, and usually that goes into like a Google Doc if it's something that is interesting to me. And then I may or may not use it. Right. Large descriptions are usually written in a doc, but it's usually mostly just a couple of sentences, much like what you're doing as well. Every game, though, every game, I come up with five to ten story hooks, a couple of NPCs based off those hooks, and then some very brief descriptions. If they're on a particular path, then I might write up some consequences of, of success or failure, so much like what you do. Sure. And then if I'm feeling froggy, I'll Add it as a note, like in Roll20, because we play in Roll20. Right. And you can do this, by the way. We'll talk about like actually playing the game. There's all kinds of software that you can use. Sure. So you might add it to that, or you might just do what I'm doing. Let's talk a little bit about NPCs, because that's something that a lot of DMs have a hard time getting organized with, is making up characters. And if you're not used to doing that, this is something that you might want to take some notes on. Absolutely. Now... As you're well aware, NPCs are my favorite. Yes. I, I love people. And you're great with names, too, which is something that I suck at. That's because I cheat. <laughs> so, first off, in, in my notebook, NPCs are separated by location, both regionally and as in their parts of the city. So, if there's a tavern that's got five people that work there, those five people are going to be together. Things like that, right? Put the people who are most likely, because remember, NPCs are people. Yes. Put them in places where they would congregate because that's how the players are going to find them. Where do you put your merchants? In their building. Like, not like the traveling merchants. Oh, the traveling merchants? Those generally go under uh, either at the end of the NPC book or chapter, or they go into story hook place because okay. a lot of times traveling NPCs have story hooks. Oh, yeah. This monster's been plaguing our roads. These bandits stole all of my money. I found this plant that wants to eat people. Feed me. Yeah. All right. Breaks into song. Under my NPCs, I make notes for maybe how they act, uh, where they stand in the world, as well as leaving space to make notes about how the PCs interacted with them. Oh, that's interesting. So if you piss off the NPC, you write, make a little note. Consequence of action. Yeah, I love that. And then when they come back to try to buy something, it's 50% markup. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if you don't believe that NPCs should be petty, be an asshole at Starbucks and see if they spit in your cup afterwards. Yeah, or... Any or any place. any place yeah. really, yeah. And by the way, don't do that. Don't be an asshole to people. Those those people work hard. Exactly. If you're rude to people who work r- retail, you're you're not a good person. Yeah. I you, need you to rethink you your stance in life. Kicker. That's what you are. You're kicking flumps, going to hell. All right, Eric. Tell me what you do for NPCs. Online generators. 
for like basic ideas. Sometimes I have an idea in my head because I think it's amusing or it's something that is story arc related and I'll jot that down. But as I mentioned, I suck at names. Mm-hmm. I'm very bad at names. So I have found there's lots of interesting name generators for NPC names, for taverns, for all kinds of stuff like that. So Fantasy Name Generator is a great place to start online. Just Google Fantasy Name Generator and it, it's a whole website for oh, you want the names from some random gods? Here you go. And I'll, you know, click refresh until it's something that seems interesting to me, and I might change it up. So I'll put that in. Uh, Donjon and I think it's kasoon.com also have some really great NPC creators if you're just looking for something really quick. Gotcha. They're good for descriptions too. Nice. And a lot of times you can set some of those generators. You could go, I need a dwarf. I need a dwarf female. Okay. And she needs to be lawful good, or she needs to be a bartender keep, you know, so there's a lot of specific ones. I highly recommend go searching for a couple of those online. We'll throw some on the website too, if we find a few, but that way you don't have to do any thinking about it. If you don't like what it was written, change a couple of things, right? Oh, I didn't, I really wanted a half elf Then make it a half elf. Now, one of the ways I do names is if you take something that is close to what they do and then so let's say you've got a spindle for mixing drinks, right? Okay. That's your bartender. He's got a spindle. Yeah. Now. The spindle in a way. Take a couple letters off and replace it with another letter. Lindel. Boom. That's your bartender. And because that mem- memnonic works, it'll work for you. But if you throw Lindel it. with the spindle into part of the description it works for your players too and they don't even realize it interestingly enough if you want to get an npc to not die you do some kind of mnemonic like that because the players find it amusing and they oftentimes will not kill your npc if you have a bunch of murder hobos pro tip right there yeah (laughs) that's good give them a funny voice that's oh, yeah. the other way. Yeah. If, if you want an NPC to really survive, give them a funny voice because the players are going to love making you do the voice. Yes. So I'll write a couple of these NPCs down ahead of time. If I need some during the game, I usually have in my sheets a quick link so I can click on the site, bring it up, and sure. just be like, his name is click, 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 Bob, or whatever <laughs> happens to be the name until it becomes lore, right? Yeah. Sometimes I mess up on the names. and Bob that from be- Hydra. Yeah. Bob from Hydra. Yes. Hail Hydra. And that becomes lore. Not the Hail Hydra part, but... Yeah, no. <laughs> Absolutely that. not. Although... there, There's part of me that wants to make a D&D Hydra. That is part of that, Hydra? That's, li- that's literally a group of Hydra worshippers. Like, it's got nothing to do with... With the Marvel Universe, but yeah. it's just D&D. Like exactly. When they say Hail Hydra, it's a Pyrohydra yep. that regrows its heads. That's not a bad idea. We're going to do that. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more about getting organized, but we'll be right back. After these messages. This episode brought to you by... We're going to give it another go. It's a bit more zing. A bit of zing. A bit of zing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready? Hello. Hello. With a Hello. No, no. Hello. Wait till I get through the whole thing. Wait till... Hello with a billowing hilltop. Hello. Hello. Oh, dear. Wait till get through the whole thing. No, no, I mean... I thought I, that was the whole thing. The whole thing is hello <laughs> with a balloon hill top. Okay. That's the whole thing. Yeah? Okay. okay. That was right. Uh, that pretty much sums up the show. But if you want to find out any more, you can visit us at www.belowinghilltop.com. Is it com? Does anybody know? <laughs> .org. Is it? It's .com. What do we do? What do we, what do we play? There's monsters. Um, does anybody remember? Walking around. I don't know. And- yeah. And we will be delighted if you to join us around our table as we play Dungeon is it fifth edition? Hello? Yeah, we think so. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We play Dungeons and Dragons. Sorry, that was me. I what was that noise in the background? There will be noises in the background as we play Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition through the classic Paizo adventure path, the Age of Worms. You can expect this. Oh! Quite a bit of this. Um I'm com- this, this, I've got a bugbear in my underpants, and one of these. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> we're on Apple Podcasts, and we're on Spotify, and we're on TuneIn, and you can find us on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook. 
uh, and we uh, hope you join us. Thanks very much. This is a commercial break. If you guys would like to hear us review something like a product or service, or if you'd like us to cover something like a topic, or if you'd like to sponsor an episode, we'd love to hear from you and have you contact us at info at goblinscorner.com. So write to us and maybe we'll talk to you. Maybe not. And we're back. Welcome back. So we're talking about getting organized giving you guys a little bit of proper education and the finer points of running a story. Sure. And I've been hitting it from the digital realm. And I'm doing analog because that's how I do it. And <laughs> you can do either what you like. Or we, both. Or both. And you should do both. And we were recently talking about NPCs. And I think now it's a good time to talk about, hey, how do you get organized with monsters? Because monsters are a little bit different because, and we'll get into combat in a second, that's a big thing. For me, homebrewed monsters go in the back of the book with either location notes or factions, if mm -hmm. they're intelligent and have those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And personal information, if it's appropriate. Long walks on the beach, loves to vaporize uh, anything not a beholder. Can be bribed. Can be bribed, yeah. Right, yeah. things oh, yeah. like Likes that. Likes back rubs. Yeah. Who knew? Scritches. Yeah. Maybe maybe that dire wolf is uh, actually a horrid wolf. It's still a puppy, and you could tame it, but you don't know that until uh -huh. you give it the scritches. Maybe the maybe the um, displacer beast loves belly scritches. You just have to find it. <laughs> that would suck to be a displacer beast, and you want scritches, but you're five feet away, and you can never fi can't ever figure out where this damn cat is. Yep. And, you know, for me, monsters for things like side quests and stuff like that, I just make a small note, whether it's the monster manual or tomophos or whatever, and the page number, and I normally keep books with me. Makes sense. For my side, I generally have SRDs. So 5e SRD if you're playing D&D. &D. Now, if there isn't like an SRD out there for the game you're playing, there are guarantee you there's a lot of digital copies of the books that you have sure and so i'll have those on my computer as well to look at that stuff right normally i will have a couple of monsters already written up in a doc with a link to them just so i can play them and i generally have three or four things that i use because i don't need the whole monster i'll just click on a link and look at it i want to know what its hit points are ac yeah the ac and efficiency I've, damage yeah. Realistically, if, if, if that's... That. And sometimes I, I usually have a spot where its wounds are, just so I can count down the wounds before it's destroyed. And yeah, any special attacks. Yeah. Right? Uh, in terms of can it be bribed and all that stuff, I usually play that by ear, but a lot of DMs that play in the digital realm may have those as well. Some people get very elaborate, and they'll build them out onto their own character sheets, which is totally cool. Homebrewed monsters definitely get done like that, because... I'm homebrewing the monster. Right. Unless I'm just reskinning something. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go see our episode on custom monsters. Indeed. Let's talk a little bit about PCs. For me, PC notes get added to locations if they've had interactions generally with a town. They get added to NPCs if they've had good or bad interactions with them. They get added to side quests if they've done it or begun it something like that yes and also obviously the important notes for backstories or things like that they get their own spot at the very end of the book because i like to be able to open to the front and back of the book that makes sense for the things that i need to reference most and the stuff that's in the middle you don't need to worry about as often Right, because if they're going back to a town, I'm going to have the notebook open to that town anyway. That makes perfect sense. And of course, character sheets. Yes. Because that's important to have, and that's something that you can easily print out. Sure. Now, what about you? How do you handle them? Character sheets are usually in Roll20, because we're running in Roll20, but there's all kinds of things you can do. 
Uh, Foundry has really good character sheets as well if you're playing Foundry VTT. Sometimes D&D Beyond is really good for that. And since, it is great for organizing. Oh, yeah. And since it just got bought. Might be even be even better soon. We'll yep. see. Of course, you have to buy a lot of stuff when you do that. I generally, for PCs, note a couple of things. I list any flaws that they might have. Sure. I list any quirks that they might have, like specific quirks about their, their storyline or their backstory or just quirks about them as they play. Because yeah. characters develop interesting things over time. It doesn't trust people dressed in blue. Yeah, whatever it happens to be. Can't stand the sight of an elithid for some reason. Drowns the paladin every time. Sometimes you got to do that. DM trait. How dare you? <laughs> things about the character for handy reference. Just because... You're running a lot of stuff, might just have it, and it may just be a couple of blurbs on the side of a screen someplace. It really depends on how you play. When you're running the game, though, it's important to have those quirks available so that you can maybe bring them up. If the halfling is a loudmouth and he can't help but get the last word in and you're sneaking out of the dungeon and the dragon's still asleep, that little bastard's got to say something. And you have to remind them, yep. hey, this is the perfect opportunity to say something snide to the dragon while he's sleeping. That's a flaw, right? Absolutely. And that's something that just adds a little bit of flavor to the game, right? That's why you, they make these characters. Yeah. So give them that gift of a total party kill. <laughs> <laughs> it may not be. Maybe they're, maybe they're high enough level to kill it. Or high enough to get away. That most likely is also true. Good segue into talking about running the game. So first off, just playing the game overall. We're not talking about combat or rules yet. Just like playing the game. What do you play the game in? Now in an analog world, Matt, that's pretty easy. Yes, you play in person. Yes. That is, that is my very strong preference. That's that first thing we used to do. Get your sodas and your Cheetos and call it a day. Beyond that, I actually, I'm not very adept at Roll20, and uh, I've never played with Foundry, so I don't know how easy or difficult it is. I also recently, you know, guest GM'd for a game and did it almost entirely theater of the mind. Which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, now, they use dice rollers so that everybody could see what everybody rolled just for the fun of it, but... But we love math rocks. It's true. You gotta have that clicky-clacky. Yeah, I, I, I have players who we play online every week, and they still roll dice, yes. and I'm totally fine with that. But I agree. Playing in person is fun, and there's a lot of stuff you can do thematically with setting the right music, right type of lights, maybe having some snacks. And we've, you know, we've gone ad nauseum about hosting a, a game yeah. in our early episodes. It's true. Now, how do you go about playing a game in the digital realm? Well, there's a lot of ways you can do it. And since COVID, there's a lot more ways you can do it. Sure. Now, Roll20 is pretty ubiquitous, and it's not bad. Um, there's some UX issues with it. We'll get to some other day. But uh, that's typically what I use because that's what I've been playing. But uh, again, Foundry's really good. They've got a really good setup. I'm looking at that as well. There's a bunch of other ones as well. There's a 3D one. I can't remember the name of it. Tailspire. Tailspire? Tailspire. Okay. Yeah. So, but you can you don't have to use those. Keep in mind, if you're playing online, you're probably meeting up with a couple of people, sharing a screen. Sure. So you could easily use a Google Meet. You could use a Zoom call. You could use OBS if you're streaming. A lot of people stream their games, and then, so they'll use OBS to you know broadcast out to everybody else. So you're essentially sharing a screen. Right. We tend to use Roll Twenty Plus Discord due to several technical reasons. First off, the AV on Roll20 sucks. Fair and I, accurate. I've never had a good experience with it. Your experience may differ. No, mine doesn't. If you're from Roll20 <laughs> and you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but I've never had a good experience with it. So we use Discord, we get on voice chat or video chat, and we hook it up on Discord, and then we move over to Roll20 for the actual game plan. Right. Let's talk a little bit about rules. Sure. Now, the classic DM screen is the little cardboard thing that you kind of lord over. Yeah. Sit behind your throne, drinking your Mountain Dew. The DM screen, a lot of people don't like them 
and I feel like they don't like them for decent reasons, but they're ignoring a reason to love them. If you don't want to roll behind your screen and create that aura of mystery or whatever, that's cool. Roll in front of the screen. But what the screen does for you, or what it does for me at least, is it covers a couple of things. It covers seldom used rules that I may not remember off the top of my head. Like grappling. Grappling. A lot of people don't use turn undead a great deal. Mm -hmm. Or any of the other divinity, channel divinities. Things like that that can be very important but aren't necessarily everyday use. The other thing it does for me is it hides an enormous list of NPC names. Oh, so that people don't happen to glance at them and see them. Well, not just that, but anytime a player says, hey, what's your name, random urchin? I stick my finger on the sheet of paper. I look down and I say, Jonas. Or I say, Aberlin. Or I say, whatever, because it is an entire sheet of both male, female, and neutral names. Yep. And I've used that for years, as you're well aware. Another good thing that a DM screen does is it lets you set up a couple of uh, miniatures or terrain pieces and just kind of keep them there so you don't have to dig in your box mm. so that when they come up with an encounter and you know they're going to fight some monsters, you just kind of stick, yep. stick it on the board. Absolutely. Which is really nice. And the other thing I do is I keep just a couple of random generic NPCs that I can just straight throw into something as needed. Yeah. What about you? DM screen, as I mentioned, is basically a Google sheet with lots of links. Fair. Yeah. I have two screens in my setup. So one screen is usually rock and roll 20 with the maps and my characters. The other one is my other browser open up with the links, which again, I had a couple of different things. I've broken into sections for the Google Sheets. It doesn't have to be sheets. It can be anything. But I have current story and bullet points where it's going, a section for notables, all those NPCs that I've made up for that night, a list of rule stuff. So I might go to 5e tools and have, they have their own DM screen that you can custom build with, you know, here's most of the typical equipment or here are some of the skill checks you can use, you know, stuff like that just yeah. on a call. I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, encounters for tonight, along with some links to the monsters. Sure. So if I know that they're going to be fighting a bunch of direwolves because they're in the, the forest, I'll have a link to the direwolves so that I can just click on them. And again, if it's a monster, then I'm going to have the hit points, the AC, and a place for wounds. Sure. I don't need anything else. I can just click on it when I bring them up. A combat area, what I mean by that is there's a section where the monsters are going to go. So, okay, you're going to have five of these direwolves, so copy, 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 paste, 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 stick them there, and then they just kind of stay there, and at the end of the night, I'll delete them because I know they fought that. And that'll be good when we talk about the aftermath, about calculating how many monsters they fought according to XP if you're doing you know, loot generated and stuff like that. And then a few notes of what the characters did as they're playing. So anytime someone does something funny, write that down. Anytime that they encounter something that I've made up on the fly, which is all the time, I'll write that little note down and just kind of jot it down for the lore for later. Now that's something I didn't mention. One of the things my DM screen has behind it at all times is three by five index cards. For writing that stuff down? Yep. Because what I'll do is I'll make notes of, say, the NPC they spoke to and how that went, and I'll chuck it in the pocket of where it goes so that after we close down everything and I'm taking my notes, I'll just transfer it over to something bigger to the actual NPC page. Yeah. And what we're talking about here is a living document. Yeah. Whether it's digital or analog, it doesn't really matter. While you're running a game, there's going to be a lot of really cool points. Some jokes are made, something's funny, or just a really awesome combat sequence or whatever, right? And you want to get that information down. And so everyone's going to take a break at some point when they go for a bathroom break or whatever, or maybe while people are talking back and forth, doing a little role playing, you can jot that idea down real quick, however you do it, so that you can save it for later and then give it back in the lore for your players. 
one of the ways to be a great DM is to do callbacks on hilarious jokes. Yes. Because people like fun, right? That's the whole purpose of this. If something is hilarious, set it as a time bomb, right? Make a note and then either a couple hours later or even a couple of sessions down the road, if it was funny enough that it's memorable, drop it back in. Bring it back in. Yeah, callbacks are amazing. Oh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about combat. What are we doing when we're talking about combat, Matt? How do you play it from an analog version? From an analog version, I have books handy. Of course. I have either minis or tokens and a battle mat. Yep. And if you don't know what we're talking about in terms of how to make that stuff, go watch our previous episode. Got a lot of different ways you can play. Uh, I often, like I said before, use theater of mind in situations where locations don't require like in-depth tactical descriptions and like a desert, right? It's sandy. It's wide open. There may be dunes, but generally speaking, it, it does. There's not a lot of need for drawing direct lines of tactics and stuff like that. Cause there's not cover. Yeah. I save minis and things like that for specific setting boss battles, things that are tactical, like in dungeons and stuff like that. What about you? How do you handle it? For me, combat is through whatever software I'm using online. In this case, we'll use Roll20 as the example for that. I generally use it as the game board. And and by the way, going back on, if you want to do stuff analog and digital, there's a lot of people that use like a TV as their game board and they'll run stuff through Roll20 or whatever and they'll have all the pieces of the game board set up as a table, electronic table, and then they use physical minis or maybe everything's still digital, but you have something, someplace to set your drink, which is always useful. Sure. So I usually have the characters, the tokens, the status, the init, and so forth. I always lead with the description, always. And that's why writing stuff down ahead of time is very important because it's combat. You want to have a description and not just crunch numbers. If I wanted to crunch numbers or just click, click, kill monsters, I'd play a video game. Absolutely. Monsters and NPCs are generally loaded as PNGs or tokens. Uh, And I usually find a lot of those. There's a lot of free resources you can find online. Roll20 is really good about having a lot of free ones that you can drag from theirs. You know, Foundry VTT has a whole bunch of stuff. If you want to make your own, really easy to do. Maybe I'll show you guys how to do that sometime. There's a lot of free Photoshopping software, not just Photoshop, but other software. You can make your own tokens for stuff like that. So, for example, I have a delightful Beholder Shark token that will be used at some point soon. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of custom monsters you can make. And it's easy to make that stuff. Most of the preliminary stats of those monsters, as I mentioned, are in the sheet. And then for Roll20, I usually let them see the monsters when they come out. So we have something tactical to play with. And then I generally roll in Roll20. Unless there's a reason not to. Sure. But usually I let them see the rolls. Sometimes not. Because as you mentioned, sometimes you got to fudge the rolls, right? It's all about the story. Especially early on where a bad roll can murk a party. Yes. But after a while, you just kind of let it where it lies. Yeah. I mean, burning hands is a first level spell. If you max the damage on burning hands, you can murder an entire first level party. Oh, yeah. Suboptimal. It's like getting hit by a flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. Now, there's a very similar way that we both run stuff in terms of exploration. Let's talk a little bit about that, Matt. From the analog side. Once again, I tend to do theater of the mind. I like descriptive words and phrases. And if you use the correct, first off, use all five senses, right? You can make the image you want in somebody's mind most of the time. And let me pause for that one thing. And we've said this before in other episodes. All five senses are great if you've got people in person doing that theater of the mind. If you describe the smell of the burning wood and you light something in the room, it smells like this. That is way more of a visceral experience than just reading out of a book. Yep. 100% every time. Your 
sense of smell is tied more strongly to your memory than any of your other senses. And so if you can replicate a scent that takes someone somewhere, you're, you've already won. Yeah. But beyond that, for things like, uh, you know, minis and such, once again, I tend to save terrain for dungeons, buildings, if they're important buildings. Yes. And boss battles. I might do a drawing, right? If you're walking into a tavern and I'm like, it's 60 by 20. Not everybody's great with size. Sketch something out real quick. Exactly. Whiteboards are great for that too, by the way. Yeah. You don't, have, you don't always have to use paper. You can just have a big whiteboard up in the corner. It looks something like this. Yep. A battle mat with some sticks. A battle mat with sticks works great. Another thing I would say from an analog side that most people don't think about, have one of your characters be the designated map maker. If you have people who love to draw, having a cartographer in the group is amazing. And it's fun to play so that you don't have to make them roll intelligence checks to figure out where they are. They literally have a map as they're moving through the dungeon. I was actually discussing literally this precise topic on Twitter the other day with uh, Devin Rue. Really? About how the fact that sh- they would love to play a cartographer in a game and get to map out a world. That's really cool. Yeah. So what about you, sir? With exploration, it's really whatever works. Most of the terrain and map stuff is in the same software. So we're saying roll 20 again. Again, your experience may differ. This can easily be shared to a window for something else too. So let's say you want to make a map. You whip it up in Illustrator or Photoshop or Wonder Draft or whatever software you make. You could just share that screen and show them a picture of it. It can even just be a document that you've shared in a folder. Sure. So here's the first map, bam. And we're talking about exploring like a dungeon. You want something a little bit more active. And that's where that software really comes in handy is showing, you know. So you can like fog a war it. Yeah. Yeah. Showing stuff like that. What do you create maps in? Mostly dungeon draft. Okay. But also a little Photoshop. And there's a lot of different software. I generally mix and match. So I'll use like some basic maps or quick maps in dungeon draft. And then I'll add some nice pieces in Photoshop. And then a lot of times when we're actually playing it, that gets incorporated into Roll20. And they've got a lot of tokens, and I'll just throw the tokens in there. Now, what I generally do is only use the maps portion in Roll20. Sure. So I don't give a shit about doors. I don't care about... Because you can draw out you know, uh, the fog of war, so when they open the door, everything appears. Right. I usually just undo the fog of war part of that to show them that aspect instead of you know drawing in the doors and all that stuff. It's not, just be, it's not because I'm lazy. It's just because I usually try to reuse a lot of different maps unless it's something specific. And right. so what I mean by that is is I will try to come up with several generic maps that can be used throughout the game. And I'll give you some examples. Uh, most of the time when characters are traveling, they're traveling along a road or something like that. So I'll make a map, just a generic map of a road, so that when they have a random encounter, bam, throw them on the map. Right. We, with the, one, the game we're playing now in Kalamshan, they are out in the desert, and I have a desert map. It's just a gridded map. You travel on some camels out in the desert, you get attacked by some uh, kobolds, right? Here right. you go. And then the specific ones I spend a lot more time developing because, as you mentioned, they're boss battles or whatnot. Right. And I love, for the purposes of that, being able to clue the players in that this is a moment, right? This is a scene. Yes. We go into the action sequence. Here's the action sequence. Exactly. So in terms of generic layouts, I would recommend a couple. A tavern, like a generic tavern. Yep. Be any tavern, right? An alley. Get stabbed in an alley, right? A cavern, just like a regular cavern. A lonely road of some sort. Or if they're, you know, if they're in the wilderness, a lonely tundra road, a lonely, you know, forest road or whatnot. Just in case you need them. You may never use them. No big deal. But at least you have them. But the thing about that is if you do, I'm not technically apt, right? But if you do a road and then you do a color adjustment, now it's a winter road. 
And it can be that simple. It doesn't have to be elaborate. None of this stuff does. It's like what we talked about the other week. You don't have to have elaborate terrain. It just needs to be good enough for the players to enjoy it. Right. You can spend that time if you want. And obviously, it's it's a lot more fun to have it looking nice because you want to sure. do something nice for your players. But in a pinch, a piece of paper and some, or a grid paper would work just as well. Yep. A table and some coffee cups. Yes. Anything in a pinch, man. Yep. Now we've come to, they're done with the game. What happens after that in-between games? The way I tend to do aftermaths are pretty simple. If I'm doing milestone eeps, they either leveled or they didn't level. Yep. If they short and sweet. If they leveled, I tell them immediately so that they have the entire time between the session to level. To level their characters or ask questions or what have you. Yes. Makes sense to me. Usually handle loot between sessions. And once again, this is one of my concessions to digital versus analog. I'm not going to mail them a physical copy (laughs) of the loot, right? I'm going to send it an email or a Google Doc or what have you. Or just tell, roll it up right then and there and tell them. Sure. And unless it's things that I specifically want to have a description for and stuff like that. That makes sense. At which point in time, you know what? I might already have it handy. So... There is that. Also, I like to collate notes, right? Like if you did things that are important to your character, I want to know that so that I can include them in the update at the beginning of next session. Yeah. Because I may not know that something was an important turn of events for you or specifically for your character. But they may have done something that was super important to them that I didn't clock. And this is a good example of asking questions at the end of the story or at the end of the session and being yeah. like, what were some things that you liked about this game? And your players will tell you. Yeah. Write that shit down. What was important? What, you know, just simple questions that somebody can be like, oh, you know, I didn't feel like I had a any kind of breakthrough moments this game. I had fun, but you know, I just, I didn't have any moments for my character. That's still good to know because it means it's something you can attempt to pitch forward. It's something you can work with for later. Maybe I should do a story arc for this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In terms of digital realms, I do exactly the same thing. Yeah. You just do it digitally. Do it digitally. (laughs) And again, this is not, I only do digital and you only do analog, but, we're given that example. So what you can do is, yeah, we write up the game, we do the loot, we do the XP. If they're on milestones, it's easy. They either did or they didn't. If I give them XP, I already have it calculated. Or there are online calculators, which go do a Google search. There are tons of them, and we can recommend some if you guys don't know. Sure. All of the notes that I've made in the little spreadsheet get cleaned up on the Google Sheet. I delete it, and now I have a blank scratch pad again. Unless right. it's something that I want to remember if they're doing a story arc, I'll just leave like some of the high points someplace. This gets written into a Google Doc, checking it for spelling, which goes into my home brewery so that I can make a nice PDF and give them the story back to them before the next game. That is something that you are very good about. You actually do kind of an in-play write-up. Right, The game you're running right now is based out of Kalimshan. It actually has like a desert scape and part of the city. And it's gorgeous. And it's nice. I send you the information that's pertinent. <laughs> yeah, th- which is fine. Right? Whatever works for you. Now, in terms of loot, I usually use generators, which is delightful. Give me some loot. And whatever else I cook up, just like with you. Right? I'll yeah. have some stuff that already is written up. Sometimes the loot is on the fly. Sometimes they want to take a piece of the golem, and that's part of loot. Yeah, we believe in creature harvesting around here. Absolutely, we believe in creature harvesting. And so I might have to think up what that is, and so I'll write that up in the doc as well. And sometimes for us, very intentionally, the creature is the loot. Yes. Now in terms of magic items... For 5e, I recommend sane magic item prices. They've got good prices on stuff. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, it's a PDF. Go Google it. It's free. Yep. Delightful people that have created it. And there's other uh, ones out there as well. So you do you in terms of like where you want to find that stuff. 
There's also home-created stuff. And then all of that gets zipped up in the PDF. I sum it up, send it to him via link or Discord or whatnot. And we've got our questions and answers for next week. Yep. And that's how it works. So in summary, what we're talking about is get organized. Yeah. And you don't have to use one of our methods. You need to find a method that works for you. But once you've found a method that works for you, stick with it. It speeds everything up for you and your players. Yeah. It just makes your life easier. You might find that you like to roll dice while you're online, and you might play with miniatures because you got a camera, a web camera, so that people could see a 3D view of it. Wonderful. Do that, right? Maybe you play in person, but you have all of the documentation online so that everybody can look at their laptop, and then when you get to combat, it goes to the kitchen table. Yeah. Which we did for years. Yeah. And that's also 100% fun. There's a lot of different methods, but get yourself organized so that you can, again, tell better stories, have a lot more fun with everything. It also brings down the stress because you know where everything is. You know how everything is set up. And so you don't have to shuffle through. You don't have to be panicked because, oh, crap, where's that one sheet of paper I really need right now? Yeah. It's on page seven because you put it there. It's always on page seven. <laughs> Questions and comments? Write to us. Info at goblinscorner.com or you can reach me, Eric at goblinscorner.com or me, Matt at goblinscorner.com. We're on all the things. Matt, what are some of the things we're on? We're on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Twitch. As Goblins Corner. Right. And Instagram. As the Goblins Corner. Indeed. Do you like our show? We hope so. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite player, YouTube and Twitch. If you could do us a favor and click five stars or give us a review on iTunes or Podchaser on YouTube, do all the YouTube things like like and subscribe and comment and all that wonderful stuff. It boosts our show and it feeds the hungry algorithm. Which is currently lurking in a 1980s trapper keeper in some kid's locker. That's it's actually in the car. Oh, it's in your, it, yeah, the I, algorithm I, I, is I, in the car? <laughs> yes. The Trapper Keeper. The Trapper and, Keeper. And the algorithm yes. is in the car. It's in the car. That's all the time we have for tonight. Once again, my name is Eric. And I'm Matt. We'll see you next time. Good night, folks. The Goblin's Corner has been written and produced by Eric Bolden and Matt Staple. D20 did our music. And this has been a subterranean production. Later.